So good to be here again. Good morning, everyone. It's um, another edition of the response strategy. Is everybody here with me? Yeah, I hear you. Okay, great. Okay, so it's um, it's another edition of the response strategy organized by NOI polls. Usually, what we do is that when we have polls out, um, whether it's an in-house poll or a poll in partnership with other organizations, we get to talk about um, the results of the, the polls or the surveys or the findings. And um, today we're gonna to be looking at an Afrobarometer um, survey that was conducted very recently this March. And um, the survey was, the survey actually is on tolerance for diversity, tolerance for diversity. And um, I guess this is something that is critical to us at this point in time in Nigeria. So again, you're welcome. It is NOI polls. I am Nelly Ohuche, head corporate communications, NOI polls. And we have a few people who are going to be joining us. Um, aside from our discussions, we also have um, Rafael Mbegu, who is also in charge of research at NOI polls. We'll be doing a short presentation of the poll findings for us. And, um, we also have a discussant, we're supposed to have two discussants. Um, the, other, the other is trying to log in. We know how the internet could be sometimes. Um, so already we have um, Mr. Abdusalam, Mr. Salis Mohammed Abdusalam, and he is going to start. But before we actually go into this conversation, we're gonna, like I said, look at the, uh, you know, at the polls. Nigeria is at, at the moment, you know, going through a lot when it comes to crisis, when it comes to, you know, issues of peaceful exist coexistence. Um, we, we cannot, we, 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 we know that we are a, a very heterogeneous society with, you know, a lot of ethnic groups and religion. In recent years, we, we've actually experienced, you know, deep-seated ethnic and religious acrimony amongst, you know, various divides. Unfortunately, it has seeped into every facet of our lives and also into you know, the Nigerian politics. This is a huge challenge for all of us as um, there is a critical need for peace, there's a critical need for tolerance and for unity for the purpose of social development. So today we're going to be looking at ethno-religious diversity. We're going to be looking at peaceful coexistence and national development. That's what we're gonna be looking at today. So you are all welcome. I want to be sure we are here. Yes, we can hear you clearly. Mr. Salis, I can't seem to hear you. <laughs> can Great. you hear me now? I can hear you now. Good to hear your voice. <laughs> Good to okay, hear your thank voice. thank you very much, yeah. Okay, so Joseph is also with us. Joseph Philip, for a moment you ran away. Welcome back. <laughs> thank you. All right, Debe Wanze, Wanze, thank you very much for joining in also. I want to hear your voice. Hi, good morning. Good morning Fantastic. Everyone. I'm hearing everybody's voice. Rafael Mbebu is on standby, uh, and he's going to be doing the poll presentation. He's head of research and OI polls, and uh, we'll be sharing his screen in a moment. So like I said, we're looking at ethno-religious diversity. We're looking at peaceful coexistence and national development. A lot of the conversations are going to be centered across um, around the poll, the survey findings. So 
um, when we're done with the presentation, we'll start asking the questions. We'll throw it open to everyone. Let's ask questions. I mean, these are issues that um, concern all of us. So it's something we're going to really talk about today. So we'll start with um, pushing it to Rafael to do a, a brief um, survey presentation for us. Rafael, you have the table. So good morning, everyone. Yeah, good morning. Good morning, Rafael. Oh, thank you so much. Good to see you today. Okay, so um, we have this presentation today um, on Afrobarometer survey findings um, from Nigeria on tolerance and diversity. So we will, I'll be taking you through some, some of the key findings of the survey, especially areas that has to speak with uh, to some of the, uh, the topics we are discussing today. But before then, I would like to tell you a bit more about Afrobarometer. And it, for those who doesn't know much about Afrobarometer and the, the methodology that was used to conduct this study, as well as some of the demographic distribution of the sample was used to test this uh, hypothesis we are presenting today, as well as then the findings. So for, for uh, uh, us who don't know much about Afrobarometer. Afrobarometer is a, is a Pan-African non-partisan, non-profit research network that measures citizens' attitude on democracy, governance, the economy, civil society, and other relevant topics um, in, in various African countries. The project at least started in two African countries in 1999, but which uh, as the year comes by, so the, the survey is conducted in different rounds. Every year, sometimes by yearly, we, we, we do a round. So what we are presenting today is round three, we'll hard from round, from round one to round eight, starting from 1999. So the round eight survey was conducted early this year uh, in Nigeria and in, in Africa, over 35 countries in Africa. The goal of, the, of this Afrobarometer project is to give the public a voice in policymaking by providing high public opinion data to policymakers, relevant stakeholders, especially the media, donor agencies, investors, and of course, ordinary Nigerians and ordinary citizens in Africa. The survey are conducted by a national partner in every country. So Afrobarometer is headquartered in, in, in Ghana. The technical support from Michigan State University and University of Cape Town, but the headquarters is actually in Ghana. CCD, Center for Democratic Development in Ghana, CCD Ghana. So uh, the survey is actually conducted by for in Nigeria, is the national partner for Afrobarometer. So we are the one responsible for the conduct of the survey and dissemination of the findings. So for this round eight, the methodology that was used to conduct this study was a national representative sample of adult citizens. So we actually spoke to adult, only adult citizens, those who are Nigerians, non-citizens, people who just came into Nigeria or who does not live in Nigeria, we are not part of the people that we are interviewing. All respondents that answer this, the questions we ask them, we are randomly selected across the states we visited. So the survey again covered both local community, rural areas, and urban locations. The sample distribution was across, like I said, is across regions, states, and the and the rural urban. Areas. Every other city ha had an equal chance of being selected. So it's not like we we selected the people by ourselves. So there are there are a, a sort of randomization of people who 
we are actually for some people uh, we are uh, allowed to participate in the in the survey. So the the again there are different ways of data collection, but for this particular one, it was an in uh, a face to face interview. So respondents we are seated and the interview are conducted face to face using the participated in the survey. And there are some country specific questions in Nigeria, for example, there are something happening in Nigeria that happening in other countries. So in as much as we have standard questions that was administered across all the particular countries, we still have our in uh, our national issues that uh, country specific questions that was asked. So in all the sample size of the, that was uh, for the survey was actually one thousand five hundred ninety nine citizens. So and the margin of error is plus minus uh, Good work for the uh, was actually conducted in early January this uh, 2020. So I, I can see the picture of how the interviews were conducted. Like I said, it's, it's basically interviews were interviewed in their homes. So we have uh, the gender distribution of the site. So did interview was actually conducted with 50% male and 50% women. So an equal distribution of the sample across gender of the urban area, rural area. So in the rural area, we have 58% of the respondents who participated in the survey and 40% from the, from the urban. For, again, it's not, so it's a national issue, the national survey by, for Nigerians. So we did not, uh, we did not interview those who are educated or non-educated. So we, we try to make sure that, like I said, it's, an, it's random selection to anybody has an important submission. So in terms of education, those who had formal education, 18% were interviewed. Those who had just primary education, we are 16% of the total sample. Those who had a, a secondary education, we are 39% of the total sample. And those who have post-secondary education, we are in 7%. In terms of religion, we try, of course, in Nigeria, we have the main religions, Nigeria are Christians and Muslims, and of course, other religions. So majority of the respondents majority is one percent were Christians and the 48 percent were Muslims. So with this is not something we uh, we 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 did ourselves. So it's, it's the respondents you know a, a confessional statement about the religion that was what we have to be captured. So uh, let's just uh, that's just about the demography and about Afro-Barometer and how the survey was conducted. Let me quickly go into some of the key findings. So like we said earlier we're talking about tolerance for for tolerance and, and uh, diversities in Nigeria. So I asked this question to Nigerians. Uh, so respondents we asked, let us suppose that you had, a ch uh, you had to choose between being a Nigerian and being a member of respondent ethnic community or ethnic group. You know, in Nigeria we have a lot of ethnic groups. So what we're trying to do now is to know whether people you know, have more alliance to their community or to their ethnicity, or they have more allegiance than to the Nigeria as, as a state. So, which of the which of the following statements best express your feelings? So, this is what we actually ask. So, interestingly, most of the respondents, two percent of the citizens, say they feel equal, they feel equally attached, both their their ethnic their their ethnic identity and Nigerian identity. So, you can see sixty-two percent who said uh, they feel only more. Uh, you, you see uh, more of the respondents, 3%, who said they feel equally Nigerians and ethnic group. Then uh, this is followed by those who said they feel only more, they feel more ethnic groups. So they, they feel they have more allegiance to the ethnic group than 
know, be in Nigeria. That is 22 percent. And then we have 50 percent who say they feel only, only uh, more as Nigerians. So this is uh, so this is what we find. So what this uh, is trying to say is that Nigerians, you know, feel they are they feel helpful, you know, they are they feel attached to their country as a nation as well as you know having their ethnicity in mind. So that they fall at this support for the ethnic ethnic identity and the ethnic uh, and the, the, the being in Nigeria. So the second question we asked in regard was so uh, Nigerians, so so this is more like a statement. Nigerians are very diverse. They come from different religious, ethnic groups, political parties, and economic and social backgrounds. Overall, would you say that there is more than more that unite Nigerians? All Nigerians as one people or more that divide us. So what we're trying to say now is to find out is to know if there are things that bring us together. If you know there are if, if currently there are issues, there are things that divide us, or there are things that make us more different. So you can see that more than six in ten Nigerians, about two percent of citizens think that there is more that unite all Nigerians as a people than what divides us. So meaning that Nigerians, you know, feel they are together, they feel as a, as a people, they are more united than. So what unites, what unite, what makes them as a people is more than what make, what can divide them. So, so and we have that 6% who said somewhat much, somewhat, so who, somewhat and much more that divide us. So they believe that there are a lot of things that divide us. So with this finding, you can say that more Nigerians believe that there are a lot more that unite us than what so another another finding here is uh, I, we had a statement also again, uh, which says uh, which are the following statements. So we we statement to, to respondents. Uh, we say which of the following statement is close to your view. Statement one: communities are stronger when they are made up people from different ethnic groups, race or religion. Then statement two: communities are stronger when they are made up of people who are similar to each other. That is people from the same ethnic group, race, or religion. So these are these are two different statements. So what we're trying to do here, what we did here was to bring together responses of those who, who agreed to this statement one, and those who uh, who strongly agreed to statement one, and those who. That, so for those who, so we just tried to. What we did was to pull out responses of those who agree, regardless of the extent of the agreement, whether I agree or not, very strongly agree. So now you can see that almost the uh, quarters, 72% of citizens say that that diverse communities are stronger than indigenous ones. 72%. This is the findings, and the, and also this shows that diversity makes communities stronger, regardless of the the, the race, the the community affiliation, the political affiliation. Diversity makes the countries stronger. Respondents, we also asked for each of the following types of people. Please tell more. Tell me whether you would like having people from this group as neighbors or dislike it or not care. So we find that about nine out of ten Nigerians said they would like it or would not care if their neighbors were from different ethnic. So if you so here in Nigeria, have people from different ethnic groups, different communities, different states living together. So we're trying to find out, you know, how acceptable people can be if they 
if they are if they visit other communities. So you see, majority of the respondents over about ninety percent of the view that. So regardless of where people coming from, they can as well, you know, live together, which is about uh, you see people of different ethnic, uh, ethnic, uh, ethnic, different uh, ethnicities. So this is an important finding. It's also speaking to some of the situations we face in the country, how people are accepted in the places they visit or stay across the country. So um, finally, we have an, an important finding again, which says that, sorry, so we have, we have asked questions about, uh, about trust of people. So we have, the, 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 the respondent we are generally speaking, would you say that most people can be trusted or that you must be very careful in dealing with people? Again, only 7% of Nigerians think that most people can be trusted. Ninety-three percent said multiple people have to be very careful in dealing with others. But these are interesting findings. I will, uh, I will, I will also support the discussion to you know speak more on this. These are important findings about trust. Yes, people have said earlier, the earlier slide that they can live together with people regardless of their ethnicity, regardless of their race or political affiliation. Here, another finding is saying that only seven percent of Nigerians think that most people can trust them. The rest say that you have to be very careful. So thank you very much. This is just the, the some of the findings um, we have from around its survey regarding tolerance and the uh, ethnic acceptance. Thanks. Over to you. Thank you very much. All right, uh, you're welcome back. Um, it's still the response strategy organized by NOI polls, and um, thank you very much for that, Rafael Mbibu for that um, survey um, presentation. It's a very interesting presentation, actually, um, looking at tolerance, looking at uh, you know, how Nigerians react to each other in terms of trust. It, it's interesting you know, to know that some people, only 7% of Nigerians think that most people can be trusted. It's, it's, um, it's actually a very sad thing. Really, but then again, I, I think these are issues that you know we almost begin to look at. I mean, why are things like this? Why are why do Nigerians not trust themselves? Those are issues, you know, on their own that we need to deal with. Like we know, we are um, a country of very heterogeneous um, people, a lot of ethnic groups, you know. And um, from what we know, this is not peculiar to Nigeria. However, there must be a way that we can, you know, galvanize all of this diversity as it were and see how we can make something worthwhile out of it. While we're having this conversation, um, a, a few more people joined us. Um, Father, Father Ataba Kindo, I, I want to be sure you are here. He's one of our discussions. Father Ataba, if yeah, you're here, right? Thank you. fantastic. Thank you for holding up for us. All right. Um, now we've heard, you know, what the polls are saying. Like I said, we're going to be speaking around, you know, the findings of the poll and we'll probably do it you know, a few diversions here and there. Um, when we, we, we have two discussants, actually. One is Father Atta Bakindo. Father Atta Bakindo is the director. Father Atta Bakindo is the director of the Kuka Center. Father Atta, thank you again. We also have um, Mr. Salis Muhammad Abdusalam. He is the founder, Displaced Children and Women Foundation. He's also the convener movement for the rights of the Almajiri child. And uh, I, I think these are conversations that Nigerians will begin to have, issues around our Marjorie child. We must have some level of peace, considering the level of banditry and terrorism that's happening across the country. So you're welcome. 
We'll go straight into the questions and um, we're going to make this as brief as possible so that, you know, we can all get back to what we're doing, but we need to have these conversations. You know, if we look at the findings of the poll, um, it shows that one in five Nigerians, which is about 22% of Nigerians, actually identify more, you know, with their ethnic groups than their nationality, whilst, you know, about 16% identify more with their nationality. What is the implication? I'd like Fada Fada to, to respond to this. What is the implication of this, you know, to peaceful coexistence? I know the Cooker Center does a lot in terms of you know engagement and peace and policy and all of that. Uh, what is the implication of this to you know peaceful coexistence, where a lot of people will rather um, identify with their ethnic groups than with being a Nigerian? So it's first of all about the fact that I'm from, um, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm from the Eastern region or I'm from the North or, or I'm from the Middle Belt or I'm from a particular tribe rather than us being first in Nigeria. What does this portend for the national unity of Nigeria, Father Atta? Okay, um, thank you for having me. I actually wanted to comment a bit on the methodology. Okay. But let me thank you people for the, the work you, you've done. I think this is an excellent work we need this kind of research institutes around Nigeria so that our policies are framed on the basis of data and evidence. Now, having said that, I think the, my response to your question is very simple. I think the implications of the fact that people prefer to identify with their ethnicity, probably regional affiliations, I think is simply the, the failure of the Nigerian state over the years to cultivate and to define the Nigerian citizenship. What does it mean to be a Nigerian citizen? Are you even proud of the recognition your government gives you as a citizen? What are the privileges and the advantages that come to you as a citizen from the Nigerian state? Can the state actually stand for you as a citizen of this country? And so if the state cannot provide those people are now tempted to shift their loyalty away from the state to these ethnic and regional affiliations that can give them security, can give them protection, can even provide jobs. And I think for me, that is the implication. The implication is simply that the Nigerian state has failed to define the privileges and to live up to the promises, that contract that they have. When I was a student in Egypt, for example, just Egypt here in North Africa, I went to the Egyptian prisons. That's a specific prison preserved for Nigerians. And you find very young and talented Nigerians living in, in Egyptian prisons. Sometimes the state is not even aware of its citizens, does not fight for them. When you come back home, look at the number of Nigerians dying. There's no moral repulsion. There is no anger expressed we die like chickens so what does it actually mean to be a nigerian citizen you know and it is these regional groups that at the end of the day in most cases maybe help you get admission to the university your tribal man your tribal woman helps you get even an admission into the hospital when you're sick helps you find a job but for the government you may have to bribe and so when you have all these structures that are so mutilated you will expect that people are likely to identify with their ethnic groups rather than the state. So that's my submission. Thank you. All right. Um, so 
I, I think that would also um, bring us to the issue of, you know, we'll look at the issue of maybe federal character, we'll look at the issue of inclusion, but we're, we're going to get to that. Um, I would want, um, I'd want Mr. Abdusalam to speak on, you know, this situation also. Um, why do you think um, Nigerians would subscribe more to their ethnic groups than to the nationality? The reason why I'm asking you, I know you do a lot of things also, um, especially within the two states in terms of, you know, managing conflict, uh, managing crisis communities and, you know, trying to, to create some level of peaceful coexistence. Uh, I actually saw a... Um, some pictures on Facebook yesterday about some football thing that you do. We're going to get to that, but I, I need you to speak on this ethnicity thing that we're dealing with and how it affects us as a people. Um, I guess we are all getting trying to get used to this network thing. I want us to look at also a part of the survey that talks about, um, you know, it says only 7% of Nigerians think that most people can be trusted. Um, Seven percent. That that that's that that's terrible. And um, what is the issue with this trust thing? And they said nine in nine in ten Nigerians, which is about ninety-two percent of Nigerians, say you must be very careful when dealing with people. This sounds really worrisome. I mean, what is your take on this, Padata? Um, what is your take on this? Why why has trust seemed to have completely, I, I, it's not a case of falling, I think we've completely lost it when it comes to trusting ourselves as Nigerians, which also speaks to the earlier question of, you know, the ethnicity thing, where a lot of people, you know, would rather affiliate to their ethnic groups and et ethnic regions and all of that, rather than, you know, um, um, rather than the, 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 the nation as it were. Where, how, how did we get to this? Have we always been like this? Have we always distrusted ourselves? What is the implication of this to national development and a peaceful coexistence? Anyway, I don't belong to the generation of the 50s and the 60s or the 70s, so it will be difficult for me. But I think that there are two levels of distrust that is important to disaggregate, in my opinion. Number one, we have friends, we are family members. We can choose who our friends are. There are ethical, moral boundaries. We can trust people we want at those levels. But I think from your survey and what is coming out, I will, I will be tempted to link it to the second category, which is trusting Nigerians who probably are leading state institutions, who probably are working within certain government system, private sector, so I may trust my friend as an individual, as a friend, when it is time to eat, when it is time to sit down and drink. But can I trust him if he's holding a particular position in government? Can I trust him to deliver? Can I trust him to be of help to me? I think that it's important to disaggregate it too. So in my opinion, with this poll, when it comes to the country, the nation, building institutions, living up to ethical values of integrity, lack of corruption, I think Nigerians, we just don't trust each other because we have all seen how a friend of yours, you grow up together, he's so good, he's so nice, he's so trustworthy. The moment he gets a plumb job in government, he becomes completely a different kind of person, a different kind of an, an individual. I don't want to mention the name of the state. I remember I am on the EU project for, 
for rehabilitating Boko Haram members, for example, at Operation Safe Corridor in Gombe. Boko Haram members who are killed and raped are brought for rehabilitation. But when you interview them, they will even tell you they don't trust the system. They don't trust the people managing the system. That's one of the states where a man who was standing trial in a particular court and the court and the prison has no wall. And this man is a criminal, but he decided to use his money to wall the entire prison system and provide facilities for that prison. And he became like a lord, even as a criminal, you know, in prison. So I think that these are areas also that seem to be reflected, even implicitly, in this kind of hole that I may trust you as a friend, but when you are into government, you get a government job, I don't think I can trust you. And it's therefore reflects also the, the current level of insecurity ongoing, where even children kidnap their own parents for money. So even at the domestic politics of the family, people find it difficult to trust each other. Uh, thank you. This is, thank you very much. Um, let, let's see if we still have uh, Mr. Abdul Salam here. I'm here. Can you, can you hear me? Great. We can hear you loud and clear. Um, I, I don't know if you had the last two questions, okay. but, but those last two questions bordered on, you know, mistrust among Nigerians, where we have only 7% of Nigerians who think that most people can be trusted. 7%. That's very insignificant, that, that's terrible. Then we also have a 22% of Nigerians who identify more with their ethnic groups. With the things you have done in terms of, you know, um, conflict resolution as it were, and um, trying to foster peace and unity in places like, say, Plateau State. Um, what is your take on this issue? Oh, well, um, thank you very much. Uh, the Reverend has said, I mean, the father has said so much. Uh, and um, I would want to add to it and then uh, also disagree on certain aspects of it. Because most times, whatever it is we want to, um, uh, what you call, consider where these issues are concerned, we must give uh, consideration to different locations. Uh, I've worked in uh, Borno, I've worked in uh, Benue, and then I've also worked in Nesarawa, you know, I've worked in part of Kaduna and Plateau and uh, Zamfara lately, lately. When you when you when you talk about ethnicity, you talk about religion, all these places give you different results, you know? But first and foremost, I want to say here that there's this quest for supremacy that is attached to uh, uh, emoluments, you know, you now feel that um, if it is your 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 ethnic uh, uh, affiliation or your religious affiliation in a position to provide these emoluments, you understand, you have the, 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 the brighter chance of getting it, you know. And I did, this brings us back to a warped orientation, our orientation right from the creation of this country and then from independence, our orientation is warped. It has those who championed, whether the amalgamation or those who championed the uh, uh, independence, you know, they came on those on that podium from uh, of ethnic background. So most times that is how we see it, you know? So if we're going to look at these issues today, 
here we're looking at our preference of people you know to 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 their ethnic background to to nationality you know i mean they prefer identifying with their ethnic background than identify with uh, nigeria as a country it is not far-fetched this is the orientation that is how it started you know so what I think we should be doing now is like moving forward in profiling solutions because all of us know what exactly, you know, are the causes. Today, it is very easy to blame government, of course. But have you really, have we, do we really examine ourselves? You look at somebody uh, who is uh, in position of authority and then you now completely assume that he is going to behave normal. Of course, power intoxicates, but the very first thing that you should ask yourself is who was he even before he became what he is? It is just maybe you don't know him enough, you know? That ethnic preference, that religious preference will always come. So I think ethnicity, the position ethnicity and religion was given, you know, in forming Nigeria has divided us more, has made us more intolerable of each other. Whether people like it or not, as long as you always ask me what tribe I am, as long as you always ask me what is my religion, definitely those things will continue to divide us. You know, it will make us more intolerant of of ourselves, so it is not surprising at all. Let's look at um, let's profile solutions and let's look at way forward. If Nigerians today would want to identify with their ethnic group, it's basically quest for supremacy within the within the the, the, the committee of, of 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 tribes and uh, uh, you know ethnic nationalities. You always want to feel my people should always have a place. That my people, my people, my friends, it has always been our problem. So it is going to be difficult because nobody would want to look at himself first as a Nigerian. He will first look at himself first as a, as a, as a Biram or Efik or Fulani or whatever. So it's a big challenge for us. And then in terms of policies, in terms of government uh, activities, appointments, admissions, you know, it is so sad that even in the hospital, you will be asked the same questions before you are being treated. Medically, these things should not matter. In schools, you are asked the same question, you know? So I think we need to de-emphasize on some of these things because if those are the things that it will expose you to emoluments, they will, we will always highlight them and always consider them as important. Okay, so let, let me also, well, well, you spoke about, you know, the issues of, you know, maybe inclusions and federal character and all of that, but we'll, we'll, we'll still delve into that. But there was also something you talked about. I mean, if we look at it from, you know, the different generations from, you know, um, pro probably prior to, maybe prior to independence, probably after the civil war, if we look at it from those perspectives, because we, we look at the fact that as much as they were, we were all Nigerians, yet there was the issue of, you know, um, more emphasis was on the regions, the different regions. So we can understand if people within a certain age bracket is uh, are more, um, would rather tilt towards their ethnic group. So say I'm from the Northeast, I'm from the mid middle belt. But when we also look at, 
you know, people born probably after the 70s, maybe beyond that. And people who had who have probably lived in, say, other parts of the other parts of the country um, that is not um, their, away from their origin. Um, say a a Yoruba man who's lived in the north, or a, a, a Fulani man who, for whatever reason, has lived in the in the east. Shouldn't that have helped? You know, with this whole national unity thing that we preach because you, you get to see a lot of Nigerians who speak other languages other than their own language and they, they speak better language because they have lived all their lives there. Should, shouldn't this have helped us? Because when we look at the figures and we see how um, terribly low, you know, when we say one in five Nigerians, which is about 22% of Nigerians identify more with their ethnic groups. And we know that Nigerians are, forgive me to use the word nomadic. You know, we are, we are nomads, we, we live anywhere in the world. Shouldn't this have helped with national integration? Well, you see, um, when you say you have a systemic failure, uh, most times people will now look at that system as government, you understand? We have growth, you know, parental failure. We have massive spiritual failure in Nigeria. And people don't look at it because everybody points at the other person, you know, because he's in government. Everybody points at the other person because he's in security, he's a part of the security architecture. Now, when, when history was, uh, as a subject, was removed from the, from the secondary school or primary school curriculum, Will we not have like risen against the government to make sure it is it is returned back? Why did we allow it to happen? We allow government get away with so many things most of the times. When you look at today, as you're being as you're as you're making reference today, you look at you know our nomadic nature. We travel around. Yes, people who have those advantages. People who marry, you know, who have experienced intercultural, interreligious marriages are the minority. We are few. We are few amongst those who are who are who are who are who are, who are ethnic champions and religious champions, you know. And then these few are always silenced because government policies do not encourage them. That is what I'm trying to say. Look at the, the case of the chief judge or whatever, it, uh, what position it is in the judiciary on those things, just because she does not come from that state. But by marriage, by every merit and qualification, she's entitled to it, does not encourage it. And then we are, we don't tell you, find that there is, there is a decline, you know, moral decline, you know, there is a, there's a there's abdication of parental responsibilities because we always look at some of these things and say, oh, well, uh, but let me just, you know, uh, let's move on. We require solutions to this thing. And the solutions, they must be resolute. We must be resolute. We must be firm about it. So today, if you live in Lagos, you find that they, 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 whatever advantages you have because you're not a Lagosian, you know, you consider it as a privilege, not a right. You know, okay. so this indigenous citizenship thing must be clearly and very unambiguously, you know, defined. We're more leaned towards rights of an indigenous than we're leaned towards rights of a citizen. This is where the bone of contention is, and it's very eminent, you know, in, in the activities, especially in a place like Joss. You know, so this indigenous and 
That is where we have the biggest challenge. Your, your, your child pays higher school fees, you know, than an indigent. It doesn't matter if you, if you, even if you were born, they are not even your child. So this citizen and indigent, you know, benefits, they're basically a very big problem. So no matter how nomadic we are, we, we, we cannot seem to get to, you know, um, uh, encourage this citizen thing. Because basically today, you now see it from the, from the uh, research that more people will want to align with their, their ethnic uh, 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 tribes than, than Nigerians. Because as a Nigerian citizen, you know, but with, with your tribe, you're, you're considered an indigent. So it comes okay. with more benefits than being a citizen. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, these, these are a lot of issues, especially when you look at the issues of indigenship and citizenship. These are issues that at the national level, we need to start having these conversations because they are critical when we look at, you know, a lot of the things that we're dealing with. I mean, when we have issues of um, um, giving ultimatums to a certain region or a certain tribe to leave, a, for a certain tribe to leave a certain region, one begins to wonder who goes and who stays, considering the fact that, you know, I was born there and my father was born there and my great-grandfather was born there. Doesn't that, you know, actually make me an indigent? But I'm, I'm going to move to, fa uh, to Father Atta now. Um, I, I would want him to speak on, you know, a few of the things that I picked from you. And th that will be looking at, you know, some of the complaints that Nigerians have around issues of lack of inclusion, you know, vis-a-vis, -vis, um, you know, political appointment at the federal level. We've seen, we've seen it at, at, at a, as a massive level in this administration. We, 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 we see issues of, you know, quota system, in, especially in the ed educational, you know, sector. Um, in, in recruitment at the federal level, you see these things. And um, one begins to wonder, how do we, what is the implication of this? How do we deal with issues like this? Like you have said, uh, systemic failures and policies and issues around these things. What do we do to deal with issues like this? Um, this is to Father, Father Atta. I would want you to speak on this issue, considering the fact that you go into a lot of peaceful uh, consultation for policies and issues around that. What do we I do think, to I tackle think, issues around, you know, federal character quota systems? And for me, I think these things haven't worked for us because when you look at, say, the quota system in the educational sector, and you say someone from a particular region can get into a university with two credits, and someone with six credits, ten credits, someone with a a, a jam result of of 300 and, and 400 can't get into a university well these things have they not brought a lot of mediocrity to us and you know both into this into the into the um into the educational sector into politics into civil service what do you think about this Parata, i needed to respond to this. um let me take a cue from um Kuan Yu in singapore i know it's not a very good analogy because Singapore is much more smaller with a few ethnic groups that can easily be handled. But Nigeria became independent before Singapore. Singapore was a little fishing village when I was reading the history. But today it's a modern city. Why? Lee Kuan Yew promoted meritocracy and citizenship. As long as you are a Singapore citizen and you are competent and educated, it doesn't matter whether you're a Muslim, whether you're a Christian, whether you come from the South or the West, whether you are Chinese, Mandarin, whether you are Malay, whether you are, you, you are from the Philippines, but you are now. And that's why if you look at the Singaporean um, Olympic team in 2012 in London, I was there. They were 
people who migrated into Singapore and became citizens. They were not naturally born in Singapore. They merited it. And that's why Singapore has developed to the level it has developed. In our country, it's completely the contrary. Right from the constitution, we have the indigenous settler concepts. Even inside the constitution, we have rotational presidency. We have literally sacrificed merit on the altar of ethnicity and religion and all that. And what can we do? At our level as researchers and analysts, the best we can do is to offer strategic recommendations to those who are at the highest level of policy making. But for ordinary Nigerians, what should they do? It's already happening. That's why I'm finding the agitations, agitations for separation, agitations to have my own country, the Biafrans, the Yoruba people, because everybody is crying injustice, is crying marginalization, is crying exclusion. You can just Google, look at the level of appointment, even in the current government. It's not something that is hidden. And every Nigerian is complaining. And it's not just at the level of the government. Go down to the local level, traditional, even there is a little company or a school opened by somebody, he brings only the people from his own tribe. We cannot continue like this as a country. We must respect merit. We must give respect to knowledge, to competence. And I think for me, this is important. If we want Nigeria to survive as a country, at the moment, this is absolutely you know, not happening. And the final point I would like to make here in reference to what Abdul has said is, is, for me, it is basically also economical, very, very economical. If you look at the Northeast, for example, where all this conflict is happening, if you look at the recent UN statistics, it's almost about 35 million people in the Northeast, 35 million. 70, 65 to 70% are young people. This is bigger than Ireland, Singapore, and Gambia put together. But in the whole of the Northeast, there is no single industry that can employ 1,000 people, except this Savannah Sugar Company, restarted by Dangote, which employs barely 500 to 700 workers. And mostly, they are casual workers. They are needed when it is time to plant sugarcane or time to harvest sugarcane. Where, what are you going to do with all this array of young people? They become talks, they become this, they go back to the womb of their ethnic groups because for them, this is the only way that probably people, stakeholders will listen to their cry. So I think for me, these issues are very structural and because they are so structural, they are so structural, it is very difficult to say you are, you are going to find a solution without the direct involvement of the Nigerian government. It's, it's, going, it's something like a Marshall Plan that you need to have after the Second World War. So I think that the government cannot escape this responsibility. Whether you define the government as the state or you define the government as all of us, it doesn't matter. Government has to be government. We must live up to our expectations. Because for me, the issues are very structural. And the final point I will make here is that because these issues are very, very structural, they are now used to facilitate, to motivate, to fertilize why ethnic groups have become much more important than government-led institutions. And when you have that, 
then this kind of agitation that we are having becomes very, very easy in the country. So I think for me, we must promote citizenship. We must promote meritocracy. To merit a position on the basis of integrity should be very important in this country. Otherwise, any crook can become anything in Nigeria. And this is a situation that we are having right now. Thank you. Uh, uh, thank you. Uh, thank you, Father Atta. Um, I, I still want to stay on you for a bit. Uh, you know, we looked at issues of ag agitation. You've spoken briefly of issues of agitation for secession from, you know, various um, regions. I mean, we're, we're seeing it from the position of probably the IPOB. We're seeing it. We're hearing about the Odua state. We're hearing from the Middle Belt. And these things are coming. And um, we 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 hear we hear things like um, you know the Nigerian state or the unity of Nigeria is not Nigeria is not negotiable <laughs> you know uh, will that be said to be a constitutional statement will that be sentimental or just some dictatorial you know um, proclamation you know given the fact that you know even the amalgamation of Nigeria in the first place was contractual so if you say that we cannot negotiate something we negotiate, we cannot renegotiate something we negotiated from the beginning. Would that be dictatorial? The people have a right to actually, you know, agitate for secession, regardless of whether they have it, their, their plans put together or not. At, at those options we need to look at in the future, or should we just sit at, you know, the point of let's see how we can make this Nigeria work? I'd like Father Mata uh, to speak on that. The issue of whether it's negotiable or not, we have been negotiating by default. At one level, we have had series of national conferences. They must listen. It's the one that was called by President Jonathan. The report is there. Why didn't we implement that report? Different groups of Nigeria from the Northeast, Southwest, Center, with all kinds of tribes and political affiliations, some of the most respected voices in this country they came together, they decided that this is what can help. Nothing has happened. And this is not the first national conference we have held. So if it is sitting down to talk, sitting down to negotiate, we have done that. There are committees of inquiries in different states handling different conflicts. What have happened to all the results? In fact, as recent as yesterday, I'm the head of secretariat for the National Peace Committee. The National Peace Committee held a very serious meeting with all the service chief, with the Senate president, the speaker, the national security advisor, the defense minister, General Salam was there, Bishop Fuka, Cardinal Onekon, the Sultan, all these key people were there. The same level of negotiation, the same level of complaint. I think it is more about implementation rather than sitting to negotiate. And the second level is that if you don't sit down to negotiate, then another level of negotiation by default will come up. And that's what we are seeing in this level of insecurity, in the agitations, in the call for, for the balkanization of Nigeria. Let Nigeria break up. You know, maybe something eventually will happen. So we have already enough recommendations, enough laws in this country. Whether we have the courage as a nation to implement those resolutions, I think that that remains actually to be seen. If you read the 2014 National Conference document, I think it's, it's, it's one of the most you know, excellent. And that is why I wanted to go back to the issue of methodology. Although the, the research was really very good, I came late, but some of the tribes, for example, that the presenter was mentioning, 
they spoke Yoruba, they spoke Igbo, maybe they spoke Hausa. These are very major, major languages. And most of them are in majority. And maybe you are speaking to them in a location where they are already in majority. What about minority tribes, like where I come from? Nobody even knows about us. We are just there, whether we are part of Cameroon or Nigeria, nobody recognizes. When can this kind of interview reach my own people so that they can actually express how they feel? The Chamba people, the Mumue people, the Pachama people, that nobody even seems to know about them. And they are actually living in the minority and they have been living for decades exclusion and marginalization and in some instances complete neglect both by the state and even by key stakeholders within the state what are the sentiments and the grievances of this type of people will their answers be actually the same in the way and manner that this survey you know has presented and i think that it has to be very very inclusive because you mentioned what if a yoruba man for himself example finds himself in Kanu and you're expecting that his intermarriage in Kanu will simply solve the problem if he finds himself in Kanu he's still a minority in Kanu so his answer will be probably different from a Yoruba man who lives in Ondo state who is within a majority group so I think that these nuances should later on also be captured in future you know researches of of this 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 nature but ultimately, if it comes to negotiation, two things will happen. Either we sit on the table, we talk, or whether these agitations will continue. And if they continue, ultimately, no matter how long we fight, we still have to come back to the table to sit and to talk. And so for me, the most important thing is creating those platforms for people to ventilate their grievances, to speak out what is disturbing them, and let there be some semblance that they are being listened to and that their crisis and that their grievances you know are eventually being addressed otherwise somehow two things will happen we either sit and talk or we fight all right thank you very much um, i'm glad you you, you talked a, a, about it from this uh, you know perspective because really like you said a, a lot of these consultations and you know national um, talk shop as it were, or conferences and, and all of that has happened and we don't seem to have seen anything. Um, we, we have also seen, you know, reconciliations at a, at, at a national level and we see that it hasn't helped with the Oputo panel, with all that the Oputo panel threw up and all other panels that we have seen over the years. We, we really do not think that anything has come out of all, any of them. And I, we were actually hoping that a reconciliation you know, um, panel at a national level would actually help. But honestly, we do not think that so much has happened since after that. I'm going to allow um, Raphael and be able to respond to the issues on methodology, then we'll wrap up this session. Raphael. Thank you so much, Mr. Ta. Uh, you, you, you raised an important uh, issue about methodology. Yeah, for this particular survey, we, we considered every single state of Nigeria, including FCT. So um, the, the interviews were conducted both in the rural and urban location of the state. So all the statistics and the SET were included in the survey. So the, the, the language that I had mentioned is so in Nigeria we have four major local languages aside English. So we have the Hausa, Igbo, Yoruba, and Pijinese. So we assume that if you if you don't understand Hausa, you should be able to understand Pijin English. So if we're in the, that is for the north, 
if, if you are somewhere in the south, if you don't understand Bimbo or Yoruba, you should also be able to understand the pidgin as well. As so where really it becomes very difficult to administer the survey uh, in any of these local languages. Of course, you know, we have so many local languages. So we have a, we had an interpreter who interprets the interviews to any of the respondents who we are unable to respond using any of the local languages we translated the questionnaire. So uh, the issue of methodology we try it is it's very robust. We we visited every state in Nigeria. And that's just a quick response to that issue of methodology I was ready. All right. Thank you very much. Um, very briefly, I would want uh, Mr. Abdul Salam to respond to the talk on issues of you know, dialogue and reconciliation and how it helps to, to you know, foster things like you know, tolerance and peaceful coexistence. It's because such macro experiences will have, we need to tell those that are looking at the micro and the larger uh, society in what the kind of negative steps they want to take. Inside Joss, you cannot come back and claim your house. You're indigenous of that place. Then you tell me that you will leave the whole region and come back and claim your property. We should slow down in these agitations because it's just going to do us more harm. We're going to become enemies of ourselves. We don't have the attitude to say, uh, well, you understand before. What happened? Look at the civil war. Tomorrow, everybody, they're still complaining till tomorrow. What they gave us after the war, 100 pounds or 60 pounds or 50 pounds. This is what will happen by the time we, 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 we break this country. You about this choice. Let's not follow emotions and should fix it. It should start from shy away from these responsibilities. We have failed morally, you know, where the family uh, values are concerned. You know, we did not send it down. You did mention earlier on that why is it possible then and the children that are, the, those who are coming up now from the 70s to the 80s, yeah, the parents did send it down to them. They did not. If you pray certain people because they were 70, 60, 70, why is it that their children are not doing what they did? Why, why, do we, why do we want to balkanize today? It's because those leaders did not send it down. Same thing with the religion. You know, we here in just elections are even conducted on denomination. This is how bad it is. You know, so I think we need to look at these things carefully. You know, even if you give people a middle bell today, will that change that attitude in just somebody, a Christian, a Catholic, will not vote for a cooking? Are they not all part of the middle bell? You know, so this distance of satisfaction, we're taking it too far. You know, and some of us that are privileged to have the ears of the ears of the populace, you know, the citizenry, I think we're not doing the right things we're supposed to do. We should continue to hammer on what is possible and positive you know, and play less of this ethnic card, this religious card. These are the two things, you know, because that's even what the politicians use, the ethnic card and the religious card. So there's something wrong with our value system, with our orientation, with our attitude, where most Nigerians get very emotional and sentimental when ethnic and religious issues are mentioned. I think we All need right. to address that. Okay, thank you very much. I, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy with what you're doing, especially in um, the two states. Um, considering how peaceful just is, is, is used to be, it is quite um, saddening to have the kind of issues we have in just with regards to you know, ethnic and religious crisis and all of that. So th this, is, um, in, this is 
for us heartwarming that these kind of things are happening. We want to see it across board, across um, Nigeria, where there's a, you know, a lot of activities fostering peace and unity. So on a very final note, I just want all of us, uh, uh, I would like the speakers, to go, the discussants to go first, then every other person within who is actually listening, who is actually participating can, you know, uh, chip in one, one or two things, then we'll wrap up. I think we've had a long day already. Um, you know, when we look at issues around, um, apparently issues around tolerance, peaceful coexistence and, and all of that, what are the issues that we need to resolve as a people in order to, in order to curb this, you know, ethno-religious conflicts and this deep-seated, you know, mistrust. When we look at the polls, you know, we say um, a lot of Nigerians, uh, I'm trying to look, see that, find that result, do not, uh, you know, trust each other. You know, the, the trust level is actually very low, with only 7% of Nigerians who think that most people can be trusted. That's terrible. So if we look at issues around that, um, how do we manage religious, how do we manage ethnic and cultural diversity moving forward? And how do we deal with issues of mistrust? I would like us to take one minute each and just wrap it up. I, I want to go first with um, Father Atta. Can you just wrap this up nicely for us? Yeah, so for me, I think the first thing is, um, is orientation. We must go back to the schools and teach religion, teach cultural diversity, because um, it's a gift to this country honestly speaking and if we can put the different talents from the different cultures and religion together nigeria will be rich but as our kids are growing up we must teach them it's not about when it's time for religious classes muslims go to their own class christians go to their own class can we have a combined religious education where we teach the positives from each angle and i think for me this cultural religious teaching and teachings on dialogue and coexistence and peace building must be taught from primary to the university level. This is one thing that we should do. My final point is that the question must be asked, why does ethnicity and even religion matter? Why would it even matter? It matters because I strongly believe there is massive state failure. And when I say state, it's not those just in government. It can be all of us there's a massive state failure at the economic level because there's an economic dimension in my opinion to this. If there are opportunities, people have jobs, people are earning good money, people can actually travel out for holidays to see how things are happening. People in Kano can visit any, who can visit Calabar, the most ordinary people that can easily be radicalized and recruited. They are educated, they are given the opportunity, they have good jobs and good salaries, they can actually travel and see the world. Honestly, I strongly believe that some of this sentimental attachment to identity, to ethnic group, to religion will likely reduce. At the moment, in from my village, I can tell you that maybe 99% of these people have never traveled out of that village. They know nothing except that if not for the sudden coming of mobile phones, social media, now they can see things. But if you see them on phone, they can still afford to travel out. So I think that those structural issues of providing jobs and attending to the economic situation of people should be addressed inclusively and in the context of justice. 
And I think if that can be done, it's likely that that attachment to ethnicity to religion will reduce, will be mitigated. So for me, these are the two solutions I have. Thank you. Thank you very much for that um, conclusion. We'll take this to um, Mr. Uh, Abdul Salam. Could you do this conclusion for us? How do we curb this? What's the way forward? Um, how do we manage religious, ethnic, and cultural diversity moving forward? I mentioned where the education, uh, where education is concerned, is key. You understand. Uh, the second point I wanted to make is. Every clergy and every cleric in Nigeria must have the basic peace education knowledge. The clergy and the clerics in Nigeria have messed up with the society of Nigerians. They, they must acquire basic peace education for them to practice or to qualify as clergy or cleric in Nigeria. That is my, 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 my final tip. All right, thank you very much, um, Sabit Salam. Um, let's see who else we have here who would like to speak to this um, issue. I know we have Hillary here. Hillary, if you can hear me. Okay, I think um, we're just jumping the guns by delving into the issue from the middle. Now, this is a country where state of origin is a major decisive factor when it comes to everything that's been done in this country. And then we've not discussed that. A country where you have such, the inclination is supporting a region, tribe, rather than the, you know, the Nigeria, the citizenship of Nigeria. So when we begin to talk about what we stand to lose or what we might not lose, we should ask ourselves, what is the structure? On what structure are we? you know, uh, uh, routine Nigeria or our Nigerian next. Until we have been able to put that aside, the issue of rebuilding Nigeria, the issue of oneness, the issue of agitation, will continue to thrive. These are not things that the education will take in. When you look at the fact that uh, an Hausa man or a Yoruba man sees himself first as a Yoruba man, because when he's feeling a form, a national form, be it a national ID card, be it a, a, a international passport, state of origin features it. So until we remove that, then there will continue to be problems. Those are the things, because if you're educating people, what are you educating them on? You're trying to tell them that this is good or this is bad. So if you have, you know, if, if you have convinced me that for me to move or progress or to, advance to any level, that that state of origin plays prominent role. Then, I mean, there's no way, it's natural. You will think home. So it's either we'll take that out or we'll be talking about maybe regional system of government, we'll move back to regional, uh, regional system of government. So that's my contribution. Those are the salient issues that if not tackled, then every other thing we are building on would come to nothing at the end of the day. It's that simple. Thank you, everybody. Okay, thank you very much, uh, Mr. Hillary and Uno. Um, the two discussions have you know, um, highlighted on that earlier, and we looked at those issues as major concerns if we need to go forward. So I, I guess this is, you know, um, everybody is saying the same thing, and we're hoping that the government, uh, unfortunately, the most we can do is, is hope. A lot of our policies actually do not work. And when we decide that, you know, 
issues like this should be debated. It doesn't get so much attention. But then again, we're hoping that you know, something be done you know, to deal with this issue, which is a major issue, so that there is a lot more um, a lot more unity, a lot more people feel you know, um, accepted anywhere they are. Okay, I can seem to hear you. All right, let's see. Um, in the absence of any other conversation, okay, I guess this, this, this kind of wraps it up for us. So I would at this point want to say that, you know, I, I, with everything we have talked about, the responsibility to keep Nigeria one, um, I think that burden is on all of us. However, we're going to do it. We will have to do it. Whether we would have to sit at the round table and have these conversations or we would have to agitate to some extent, whichever way, the, this responsibility to keep us together is one that we all have to, to you know, take up. Um, whether we stay together, whether we, you know, we'll break up at the end of the day, for the fact, for the while that we're going to be together, I think there's a need, a very serious need for unity. So I want to use this opportunity to thank everyone that has been a part of this uh, discourse today. Um, Father Atabakindo, Director of the Cooker Center, thank you very much for taking out time out of your very, very busy schedule to be a part of this today. I really appreciate you. Thank you, sir. I also want to thank uh, Mr. Salis Muhammad Abdus Salam, the founder Displaced Children and Women Foundation and Convener Movement for the Rights of the Almajiri Children. Thank you very much for taking out time from your busy schedule, put you through a lot of trouble today. Thank you for being a part of this today. Okay, I want to hope that oh, everyone you're most can welcome. Hear. My pleasure all Great. the time. Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, yeah much. we, we Thank have you. looked at, uh, yeah, we've, we've actually focused on um, the Tolerance for Diversity survey released by Afrobarometer. Um, very recently. You can check that out on our website, um, noipolls.com. Uh, you can always check that out. You can, um, we've looked at ethno-religious diversity, peaceful coexistence, and national development. For those of you who would want a recording of this, whether the audio or video, kindly um, get across to us and we'll um, email it to you. I want to say thank you to everyone that has been a part of this. Um, to the entire staff and management of NOI polls, I want to say thank you to my production team, also the um, corporate communications unit of NOI polls. Thank you very much. And to everyone, we'll do this again. We'll do this bi-weekly. We hope that the next time when we have another poll, another survey out, so when we reach out to you, that you'll be kind enough as to um, lend your voice to it. Thank you so very much. God bless you. This is where we'll wrap it up for today. I am Nelly Ohuchi, Head of Communications, NY Post. Thank you all again. You have a fantastic day.